I'm looking for the green light. No, green light. Okay. Maybe the red light. I was prepared to say good morning, but good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> Dale assigned us about 30 minutes to uh, do our message, and uh, as some of you who know me, I'm always fond of saying I'll try to be brief no matter how long it takes. <laughs> but I brought some water, or I thought I brought some water, yeah, I did, in case uh, I have to use it. But either way, you'll either rise inspired or greatly relaxed when you wake up. Appreciate the song because it, there's a, it does have a little bit to do with uh, the message this afternoon. And I'll do my best to really uh, not take so long. I'll probably hustle along here so I know your stomachs are starting to grum grumble. And they're probably grumbling at me if I keep you up here too long. Joy and patience in trials and temptations. How do we get it? You know, we live in a world of troubles, temptations and trials that, that cause sorrow and they cause pain. And of course, we all know that. Just look around, we can pick up the newspaper, you know, we used to pick up the newspaper, you just pick up your cell phone or turn on the TV, and you can see what's going on in the world. It's not very good news there that we see. In fact, you know, Jesus said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. You know, that's a time of affliction, that's a time of distress, a time of testing in whatever form or fashion it takes. Now, many of you know what it's like because you've been there. You've gone through some of these trials and temptations. And if you live long enough, you can look back on the struggles you've had and how you've come through them and know that these struggles have robbed you of joy. They've taken away, at times, the happiness that you might have had in life. And still, you're wise enough to know it's not over until it's over. And that's when we see the kingdom of God established back here on the earth. In the book of James, chapter 1, verses 2, 3 through 4, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials or diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. You know, things do not always go the way you want them to. They don't always go well when you, when you least expect it. Something happens to you in your life or maybe in the life of a family member. But knowing this, that when uh, those things go wrong, the trying of your faith is going to work patience. Now, how many of us need patience? I sure do. But to count it all joy... Do we think this means we, you know, we should jump up and down and in glee saying, hey, we, we've got this uh, trial, we've got this temptation, and I'm so happy about it? Or do we know of anyone who has jumped up and down because of the trial and temptation that they have? Temptations slash trials are things that people fall into or they tumble into or they stumble into, and it can hurt. So count it all joy 
Now, what that expression means is, from the way I understand it, is to take it with a cheerful calm, a cheerful calm. The definition for patience is the quality of just being able to bear provocation. Have you ever been provoked into something that, you know, you wish you hadn't been provoked into? How about annoyance, misfortune, or pain without complaint? That's what patience is, the quality of being able to bear those things. Loss of temper. How about irritation or the like? You know, some people just sometimes, sometimes irritate you in some ways. We're human, but you have to have patience. You have to have, as the second definition is, an ability or willingness to suppress restlessness or annoyance when confronted with delay. And, you know, that can be as simple as, you know, waiting in line. If you've ever waited in line, you know that's kind of an exercise in patience. You know, there are two words that go along with patience. One is endurance. One is perseverance. The word temptation is from the Greek word periaos, which is also translated as trial. And a trial is where your faith is going to get tested because temptation, we know, can, uh, can be a, exert a lure that is so strong that it can take you away, that it can overcome your restraints, your moral restraints, your conscience, your better judgment, and your faith. And it can lead to sin if we don't exercise patience. Verse 4 of James, it says, But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, that is, you know, mature and complete, wanting or lacking nothing. So having patience, simply put, is, is like having the ability to bear trials without grumbling or complaining, but with a cheerful calm so as to not get upset and, as I've heard, to be flexible enough to not get bent out of shape. Now, I'm sure my wife, Carolyn, will remind me of I said this, so I'm kind of preaching to myself, too. Now, we know patience starts getting tested sometimes, you know, in a very long line because that's, that's something that if I see the line is long, I'm just going to, you know, just have to decide whether or not I want to get in line and wait uh, for very long. So it can get tested in a very long line, say on a hot day, but there's a reason why we wait in line. It's because we know that at the end of it, there's something worth waiting on. That is, if you're willing to endure the weight and the tired feet, so on. But the trials that really test us are the kinds that bring deep pain along with it and a heaviness that can last a while. It could be an illness, a loss of a loved one, some misfortune, or even some sin that we do. You know, things that may or may not be directly our fault, but maybe someone else someone else's fault. The temptations James is addressing are those that challenge us, that challenge our faith personally. Our faith in God challenge us, our trust in his word and in the salvation of Jesus Christ, who was tempted as we are, yet without sin. When temptation comes along, you know, we find out about our strength. Proverbs 24 verse uh, 10 says, if you faint in the day of adversity, 
your strength is small. The word faint is from a Hebrew word that means, that means to slacken. I believe it's pronounced uh, rafa. Some of the words that the King James uses for it are words like uh, cease, fail, uh, be feeble, or wax feeble, be weak, or, or weaken. Now those who have experienced a stormy trial know the feeling of your knees weakening or the stomach tightening and the, bo the body just starts to shiver and the mind and soul begins to melt in fear and in doubt. So your body slackens and when you're told something that, that is adverse to you, your shoulders sometimes just naturally just slump. What else, you know? And so you think, where am I going to find the strength in this temptation, in this trial? And it's not until we experience it that we see how strong or weak we are. Some temptations and trials can take us to the limit of our patience and endurance. You've probably been there. And in the, in the song, I appreciate it because I had written that life is like the changing sea, sometimes smooth, sometimes stormy, and as a, you know, a boat out on the sea of life, we are. So we have on board this ship of ours precious cargo and a load that we carry from day to day. You've heard of the uh, Plimsoll mark. It's a line that's painted on the bow of a, of a boat that uh, shows the limits that uh, cargo can be loaded onto it. You go beyond that limit and there's the risk of you know, sinking. You know, before you cross a bridge, there's a load limit uh, so many tons. And if you have more tons than you want, you're gonna collapse. That cause that bridge to weaken and it will collapse. Elevators, you know, have a load limit. So there are limits to how much we can bear, to how much we can carry. But just in case, we know that most boats have, have, have a uh, life uh, jackets. They have uh, ship, uh, not ships, but they have uh, lifeboats just in case something happens. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, it says that, there has no tempta uh, temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But the eternal is faithful. The eternal is faithful. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. So when any trial comes along, no matter how big or how small it is, you know, sometimes we think, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can bear this. But we forget this promise that we're not going to be tempted above what we're able to endure. But he will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So he knows our limit. He knows our plimsoll line. He knows our mark. Trials can be rough, and you know we often think this is more than I can bear. So we see that we must trust God that he is committed to not letting us sink or, or to fail. Stormy seas are a part of life. In James, uh, 
113, it says, to let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You know, our Father is not up there in heaven trying to think of evil ways that he can put upon you to see how much you can take and bear it out. But he does allow trial, and he works with that trial. But every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. So we don't want to think that this evil is what God is trying to put upon us. So we ask ourselves, well, what can we do to be strong in that day of adversity? You know, many people like to work out to be physically strong. They lift weights, they, uh, they run, they diet, they do things that uh, is going to test their limits of endurance and perseverance and their strength, all to be ready for whatever it is that they are aiming for. Let's say that you want to enter a 5K run, but you've never run before in your life. You've never tried it before. So first, you know you got to get used to running, which you've never done, I guess, before. So you start exercising, and you got your fancy uh, uh, running clothes on. You got some fancy shoes that's going to last the wear and tear. And so about 50 yards or so, uh, you, you, your mind tells you uh, uh, that, uh, hey, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? What do you think you're doing? And you listen, and you tell yourself, I can do this. I can do this. So you go on, and you start to feel it. So you ask, do you continue or do you give up? And the mind says, hello, what are you doing? It's the same with lifting weights. You reach your peak, and then you strain to get in that one last burn, that one last weight. And you're there looking at it, and I've done this before, and it, you get to a certain point, and it starts to hurt, and, but you're straining. Just that one more will give you that extra strength you might need. So, uh, so you do those things to stay in shape and to get ready for whatever it is that m might have to challenge you in that. And there's a saying, you know, no pain, no gain. You tell that to yourself. Uh, it's pain leaving the body. <laughs> and then you really hurt yourself. So you have to use wisdom. And after all, you do want to be stronger, to be in the best physical shape possible so that you can be ready. But our need is spiritual strength. And how do we get that? We look to Jesus Christ. He is, like the song says, our peace on a troubled sea. Psalm 138 and verse 3 says, In the day when I cried, you answered me and strengthened me with strength in my soul. So we call upon God in prayer. It says elsewhere to pray always. So when we fall into an, a temptation, when we're feeling that strain and that burn and not knowing you know, how much we can bear, we say, I can do this and rely on the promises of Jesus Christ for he is faithful. In Philippians 4, chapter 11, uh, sorry, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, 
The apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So sometimes, you know, we should use that as a motto to our life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we look to him. He's our strength. Jesus is our source of strength when we face a temptation or we face a trial. In Hebrews 12, 1 through 4, I think. Let me, I didn't write down all of my scriptures on a sheet of paper, and so I'm going to do the old-fashioned way and let my fingers do the walking. Hebrews, these letters are looking smaller and smaller. Must be my eyes, or they're just printing small letters nowadays. Hebrews 12, verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know, we have habits. We have things that get us into trouble. We know what they are sometimes. Oh, I better not uh, go there because I always wind up getting in trouble. And so you have a good sense to know that you've got to lay aside certain things in order to be able to bear. Uh, you know, you've seen movies where um, you might, there might be a ship and it's tossed about on a stormy sea and the sailors don't know what to do. And so, well, we've got to save ourselves. And so we start, they start throwing things overboard to lighten the weight, to get rid of the load in some, in some ways. And that's what we do. If we have a sin or a habit or something that, that just seems to stay with us, we've got to lay aside uh, every weight and run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking how? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. So we're to lay aside every way the sin that e so easily besets us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and to consider him and how he responded to trials and temptations. Second Corinthians 10 For though we walk, verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So we see that there is a lot of power by putting the weapons of our warfare into the spiritual realm. We cannot overcome spiritual trials or temptations by applying fleshly, worldly ways. Can we? I recently read of a woman, she was standing in line uh, to pay for her coffee and uh, she overheard some women behind her and they were criticizing her, talking about her, uh, the dress she wore, the clothes she wore, the way her hair looked and so on and so forth and, and it, it began to get on her. And she didn't say anything, though it bothered her, and she didn't know what to do to get back 
But as she uh, started to pay for her coffee, she decided that she would pay ahead. And she bought those, uh, pay for those uh, two ladies uh, their coffee bill. And so though she was hurt and she shed tears about it afterward, she, she did not give in to the temptation to do something fleshly, like go over there and, and poke their eye out or slap them on the face, you know, or defend themselves in some way. What would we have done? What would Jesus do, you know? What would Jesus do? In Romans 12, got to go there to these small words again. It's back there on the board, but, you know, I, I can barely see it. Uh, Romans 12, uh, 17. I'll try it. Repay no one for evil. For evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. I think I'll go to... <laughs> I usually uh, print, print the, the message out on, you know, the computer. And I brought about a third of it here. And so the rest of it's longhand. Romans uh, chapter 12, uh, Dale, you let me know, uh, do some sort of signal where, you know, so I can get out of here, I'll let you guys go. I'm getting hungry too. My mouth is getting a little dry. Oh, that's why I have the water. Uh, verse 17, chapter 12, I want to read this. Uh, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of men. If it be possible, if you have your Bible, you know you want to under, underline that. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy hunger, feed him, if he thirsts, give him drink, for in so doing, you shall heap coals of fire on his head. You know, it's really, uh, someone does you wrong, but yet, instead of answering back in kind, you give them something that really pleases them, a gift, you're going to heap coals of fire on their head. So, verse 21, out of all this, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's from Romans 12, uh, verses 17 through 21. Oh, I thought she had a hook there. He's going to pull me off her. <laughs> it's creeping up on me there. That's okay. <laughs> There's a, probably a little subtle hint in this anyway. <laughs> In your patience possess ye your souls. That's to have self-control. Because impatience, you know, can, can steer you wrong and cause you to sin. In Proverbs 25 and uh, verse 28, it says that he that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So a person without self-control. Patience is as defenseless as a city with broken walls. So we must be on guard. We must guard our minds and our hearts because we know that Satan walks about. There are servants coming in. 
So we have to be on guard so that little things, and that's where it begins, little things, and it builds into bigger things. So we have to be on our guard in order to keep our patience. Luke 6, uh, verse 27. Now some of these, uh, Brian, I'm, I'm, I added without letting you know. You know, uh, there's that uh, saying, uh, Murphy's Law, if something uh, can go wrong, it will. <laughs> so, whatever that's worth. I have this electronic Bible at home and I've forgotten where. Okay, Luke comes. <laughs> Matthew, Mark, Luke. Okay. I'm starting to sweat now. Luke 6. Thank you for bearing with me. Thank you for having patience. Luke 6, verse 27. Why oh, it's out there now? Okay. Uh, Luke 27. 6, 27. One more page over. But I say unto you, which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. You know anybody who might have feelings against you, who don't really like you, who hate you? What does it say? Do good to them. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. Sometimes they just don't understand. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away your cloak, forbid not to take your coat also. So give it to every man that ask of you and of him that takes away your goods, ask them not again. So we're to love our enemies. You know, God rewards those who love their enemies. As he did, who gave up his life for, uh, for, uh, for those who rejected him, for those who persecuted him, for those who hated him. He loved them still. And verse 28, we're to pray for them. In verse 29, it does not have to be, you know, a literal slap on the face that somebody does or something else because, you know, words can sting. They can hurt. So as followers of Christ, we uh, look to him as our example of strength and doing the right thing. The devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking, seeking him, seeking whom he may devour. So if we're not diligent in putting on the whole armor of God, we weaken our defenses. Let one part of it go, that's the avenue that he will take to get to you. So if we find the day of adversity, uh, it's because we're not as near to God as we should be and, and as near to his words as we should be. So our daily workout is to walk in the spirit as we see in Galatians 5, uh, 22. Is that up there? You, you're familiar with uh, Galatians 5, 22, walk in love, you walk in patience. And we live in a, 
as I said, we live in a troubled world. It's because those things aren't practiced. Those things aren't exercised in our society as they should be. And it's due to the works of the flesh that things cause trouble and sorrow in this world. And hypocrisy, adultery, those things will cause impatience. They will cause temptation that will lure them away from, from what is right. And they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. James, and I have a ribbon here that should take me right to it. James 1, verse 5. If any man, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. You know, it's, that's an answer to the question is, what do I do next? It's to ask God. Verse 6, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Verse 7, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So we have to seek wisdom. At times we're very weak, but like the man who asked Christ for healing, uh, Christ asked him, would you believe I can do this? And man honestly said, help my unbelief. And so we have to do that sometimes. We have to ask that our unbelief or whatever doubt we might have, he will help strengthen it. Two more pages. Over in John 14, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So you remember those scriptures. We have the Holy Spirit as our comforter. And it is a troubled world. And so we look at the feast as a, a rest stop. Um, our hope is in the future. Even though we may want our hope to be fulfilled now, true and complete hope comes in the kingdom of God, and that's still to be fulfilled. Last page. I'm trying to get, a, get away from here as fast as you are, I think. <laughs> Trials and temptations can be tough, but we have to be patient through all of them. I don't blame you. <laughs> James 5, verse 7 through 8, we read about that. But in uh, Hebrews, oh, I didn't read that, James 5. I've been reading James 1. James 5, verse 7, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the eternal, the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth. He's waiting for us to grow and to mature, and, pay, and uh, we're tested. Our pa patience is tested and has long patience for it. He's waiting on us until he received the early and latter rain. Be you also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the eternal. The Lord is drawing nigh. Hebrews 10, verse 36 says, You have need of patience. That after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promises. Sometimes we want this kingdom of heaven right now. But we know patience is needed, and 
Second Peter. I'm just going to uh, refer to what it says basically there, Second Peter 3. Now, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. That's all we need to know. He's made his promises. He's not slack concerning those that will come sooner or later. So the Feast of Tabernacles is a reminder of that promise to come. And, but before that time, we know that the days ahead will, be, will, will become trouble more and more with tests and trials. But know this, from Revelation 14, 12, know this, that the trying of your faith works patience. And here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And here are they who have patience and joy in the feast.